Welcome to the Why God Why podcast brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. My name is Dylan Carnival and I am the Browncroft staff and producer of the show. I'm joined by our hosts, Peter Englert, Director of Adult Ministries at Browncroft, and John Amayo, New York State Crew Director. Why God Why is a podcast where we ask 21st century questions about God that you never thought you could. Today's guest is Dr. Nijay Gupta, Associate Professor of New Testament at Portland Seminary. Peter and John, take it away. Well, we'd like to welcome Dylan, our new producer, so thank you so much. (laughs) That's awesome. Hey, John, when you, you know, I'm thinking about the layers of this question, why do people bother to pray? And what I'm curious from you and your experience, what do you think, because I feel like people that go to church, that don't go to church, people that are religious or non-religious, like there's some semblance of desire to do it. How How have you engaged that? Well, yeah, I think there is. And I think there's now there's kind of a sense uh, mindfulness is is a big is a big topic in our society right now. That's a that's something that's kind of no matter what tradition you follow, the idea of mindfulness is very kind of in vogue. And so I think there's a there's a sense in which people realize that there's something transcendent beyond themselves that they need to kind of tap into. Now, whether that looks like a Christian prayer, whether that looks like Muslim prayer, whether that looks like, um, you know, Buddhist meditation, I think a lot of people are very open to or they're very curious about, but I don't think they have a lot of answers and what that looks like. And from a Christian perspective, I think there's even some some questions there, like what do we believe? Why should we pray? Um, I, I find myself in this question, I find myself having a real tough time sitting down and praying a lot. I just, it's one of those things that takes a ton of discipline for me. And so that's why I'm really looking forward to this uh, conversation today. Because, quite frankly, I think it'll help me and uh, my journey as well. So, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, just looking at the Pew Research or Barna, you know, they'll say that an estimate of 55% of Americans pray on a daily basis. And so one of the things we had a pre-conversation with our guest, his name's Dr. Nijay Gupta. He's an associate professor of New Testament at Portland Seminary. One of the things I think our listeners are going to love is, you know, he said— I didn't really know how to pray, so I wrote a book on it. Yeah. So that's the kind of person that we want to have on our podcast. So, Nijay, we're talking today. We're going to welcome him in. Why do people bother to pray? Let, let's start with this, Nijay. You know, before we get into some of the bigger questions, share a little bit more about your journey in prayer. I mean, you study theology. It seems like it's an easy thing. But, you know, it led you within the past few years to write a book on it. Just share with us a little bit of your journey, and then we'll dive right in. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where no one really teaches you how to pray. You just kind of look around, and you notice people have their eyes closed. You close your eyes. And, you know, I thought, if I want to figure out prayer, if I want to figure out what it's all about and why, I really need to turn to the Bible. And so I decided to write a book on the Lord's Prayer because— um, Christians, you know, since the beginning have relied on this little prayer in Matthew, and, and there's also a version in Luke, as a guide to prayer. I remember reading that uh, several theologians, including Eugene Peterson, make the argument, um, who are you just to start praying? Uh, why not learn from the masters? 
And so he refers to the psalmist as the prayer masters. You know, if you want to learn how to lift weights, you don't just go in there and start picking stuff up. You better get some help. Learn how to do it right so you don't hurt yourself. <laughs> it's kind of like that with prayer, too. The Bible says there are these people that come before us with lots of wisdom and knowledge, uh, you know, not just kind of throwing things out there, but really helping you understand how to pray. And if you really apprentice yourself to them, um, you can learn a lot. And that's what I did. I just started studying the Lord's Prayer. I started studying the Psalms, the Shema from Deuteronomy. And I felt like it really gave me a window into some of the reasons why we pray, but also how Christians pray differently than other people. That's fascinating. So uh, I love this, that you were trying to figure out in your own life, hey, how does this how does this practically work? So you dove headfirst into it. Um, practically, how did that look for you? Like, what did it look like to, to study? Where did you go first? Like you, you were talking about the Shema, you're talking about Psalms, you're talking about the Lord's Prayer. Like, how did you start that journey down that road? Like, what, what, what resources did you use? What, did you just just look at those passages? How did that look for you? Yeah, so, if, you know, if, if I started with Jesus, um, sort of as our model of not just who we pray to, but a, a good prayer, um, one of the realizations you make is Jesus had to learn how to pray from somebody, mm-hmm. um, his parents, uh, his synagogue, um, the Old Testament, and maybe some other uh, texts around that, you know, time, like in his own time that would have been used to help him pray. Like we have books written today that help us. And so that really directed me to the old Testament. Um, some things I just kind of knew, I knew that the Shema, which is the prayer in Deuteronomy here, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You should love the Lord, your God, so forth. I knew that was important. I started to study around. I did like look at some books about prayer in the old Testament. What was, what kind of stuck with Israel throughout the years as kind of their staple diet of prayer. And I found out the Psalms were a big deal, and the Psalms became kind of like their worship songs, like we have worship choruses, um, like we have our top 40 on the radio. They had their <laughs> songs that come from the Psalms. You also have the prayer of Aaron, the blessing of Aaron, um, uh, the Lord bless you and keep you and so forth, and that was prayed a lot. And so I just I really drilled into some of those pieces, the Psalms, the Shema, the blessing of Aaron. I just try to figure out what makes these things special, what made them stick, so that by the time of Jesus, this is very, very common for Jews to use, utilize these tools in prayer. One of the big picture pieces out of that is, yes, you have extemporaneous prayer, and I think extemporaneous prayer is important because it's about speaking from our heart, but you also have the utilization of the prayers of others, especially the prayers of our ancestors. And finding really deep value in that, I feel like today we get really picky about saying, oh, it's got to come from my heart. That's important, but there's also value of um, drawing from the wisdom of the people who have gone before us that teach us some of these things. I think of like a Valentine's Day card. You know, you might pick something with a really cool poem by, you know, a famous, you know, a famous medieval poet. Because they have special words, and then you add your words to that. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like to think about that with prayer when we look at Scripture. It gives us a little bit of both. So, Niji, I want to come back to something you said a few moments ago. You mentioned um, 
that something about prayer being uniquely Christian. And, you know, John mentioned the mindfulness and, you know, I'm sure that we have a, a swath of listeners, you know, you have some that have attended church their whole life. They believe in prayer and there's other complications. We'll talk with that, but there's other people that say, you know what? I, I will download this app. You know, I'll use Buddhist meditation. I'll do all of this. What makes the prayers of Jesus and the prayers in the Psalms and the Shema unique than any other prayers? Yeah, that's a great question. In order to do that, we kind of have to get in a time machine and go back to the ancient world. I'm kind of an armchair historian. I love studying the ancient world. I studied classics in college. And you have to, you know, today we start with secularism. Why should I believe in God? In the ancient world, they start with a hierarchical theism. The world is many layers of authority and the gods at the top. Mm. So you think about your landlord, you think about your boss or your manager. These people all the time hold sway over your life, right? You're not just independent and free to do whatever you want. In the ancient world, that's the way they thought. They thought that life is lived under the deities, under God. And so often like an ancient Roman or Greek, their role in prayer was to encourage blessing from the gods and to repel wrath. So you really did a lot of appeasement. You did a lot of, hey, you're looking nice lately. You did a lot of, can I pretty please have this? That was the way things worked. What was unique about Jews and eventually Christians would be um, covenant this idea that you have this special and unique relationship with God. And so just to answer your question directly, what was different about Christians is intimacy with God. Mm. This idea of the Shema saying, love the Lord your God. In the ancient world, people didn't talk about love and religion. You did what you had to do, just like you might uh, bow to a king. You did what you had to do. But in Christianity, one of the most unique things about it is being able to talk to God have his ear, have his attention, have his interest all the time, and you're never bothering him. It's amazing how many times the Bible says, don't be anxious, do not worry, the Father cares, he's there for you. That really wasn't something that was communicated by other religions, that, that God is there for you, he cares for you, talk to him anytime. So, you know, I'm curious of what you just said there, because you know, I, I'm thinking about, you know, when we watch prayer on TV, you know, and I, I can't think of a specific sitcom, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, there's really, and I'm not even saying like, we're not even talking about Christian entertainment. We're just talking, you know, Seinfeld, Family Matters, that shows my age there, you know, <laughs> friends, you know, but like the way they talk about prayer is like someone prays, and something good happens, or even on the other end, and maybe more serious dramas, I prayed and something bad happens. You know, how do you respond to this idea? A lot of us live in the middle. So I've tried praying, but God doesn't answer. You know, you've talked about a God that wants to have communion with you. you know, we know the highs and we know the lows, but what about in the middle when it seems like either it's weight or there's no answer whatsoever? Yeah, you know, that's a good question, Peter. It, it all starts with what we think prayer is. And a lot of people come to prayer as, it's kind of the way I treat my doctor. Mm. I don't have a personal relationship with my doctor. 
I basically avoid the doctor as much as I can. But if I feel like I'm going to die, then I go to the doctor. Mm. Um, and I feel like in many ways we treat prayer like that, where we don't really think about it. It's not an important part of our life. But if we really need something, then we go to prayer. And then we're frustrated if something does, doesn't happen the way we want it to. The whole point of the covenant, the whole point of entering a relationship with God is not transactional. It's not about getting. It's more like a child's relationship with a parent. You know, I have three kids. I have kids that are coming of age. They're getting older. And they know that they can ask me for things. And sometimes I give them stuff like money and toys and screen time. Uh, But they also know that I have my own agenda for them. So they'll say, hey, can I have a lifesaver? And I say no, and I'm not trying to be mean. And it really doesn't hurt them all that much. But there's a mentorship, an apprenticeship, uh, a fatherliness to my responsibility to care for that person. But sometimes I say no. They're playing soccer, and they get scraped up and banged up. And my reaction is I want to go run to them. But sometimes I don't because they kind of have to find their way. And maybe hopefully another player will come and pick them up. Or they'll say, I'm not bleeding. I can get up and do this. So I think partly is our mentality about what prayer is. Um, I I, uh, took over a prayer course from one of my mentors here, Mary-Kate Morse. And she taught me a lot about contemplative prayer. And what's interesting about contemplative prayer is it's not about using words and it's not about transacting. It's about communing with God. And when we treat prayer more and more as investment in relationship that doesn't always involve exchange, mm-hmm. it actually gives us a healthier perspective of what we're trying to get out of it. Um, Christians often just lived a life of prayer. St. Paul says, um, pray continuously. And he doesn't mean just say a bunch of words, but I think he means always live life in a state of thankfulness for the presence of God and what he's trying to do in your life. Mm, wow. When we wow. come at from that angle, it changes things, I think. I love that. I just love uh, your your points on that. And I think one of the things that I, as you're talking, one of the things that I, I realize is I think it's not really uncommon, even within the Christian world, to look at prayer kind of transactionally, like you're talking about. Like you're talking about kind of the ancient world. I'm kind of like, ah, peace god yeah that's kind of like i think a lot of people whether they're they're followers of jesus or not can kind of resonate with that feeling of kind of well i'm doing this to appease god but you're kind of painting this totally different picture of prayer than what a lot of us have experienced and so maybe for those of us who haven't experienced that contemplative kind of prayer that just sitting with a father kind of prayer like where in the world would you even start with that i mean that just seems probably for some of us like oh my goodness like i i can't imagine even doing that how did you start that process yeah i mean again a lot of it was just better understanding contemplative prayer so you might just you know go on a search for some of those books, I think of people like Richard Foster, who does a really good job at, at leaning into some of that stuff. But 
one of the best images that was given to me by Dr. Morris, Mary Kate Morris, is in the Gospel of John, when you have chapter one, it's talking about the son uh, leaning on the chest of the father. And then you fast forward towards the end of the gospel and you have the beloved son at the table leaning on the chest of Jesus. And so there's one practice she recommends, which is called rest prayer, where you just spend time. And I did this with a class of seminary students. You just spend like 45 minutes laying at the chest of God. You don't have to talk. If you want to sleep, you can sleep. And it's, it feels kind of new agey. Uh, so it was hard for me as kind of a more traditional evangelical from my heritage. But what was powerful about it is it taps right into what the Gospel of John is all about, which is abiding. Yeah. Abiding means living in. And sometimes when you're with somebody, you know, you don't just fill up the space with talking. You're just enjoying their company. And when I think of all the stresses I deal with, health issues, money issues, sometimes it's just nice to rest in a safe place. Mm. And I think about that with, you know, the son resting, you know, at, at the father's chest. And I think about that, what I want for my kids, that I could be a safe place for them to rest after the stressors of the day. Mm. That's a good place to start with this mentality of God being a safe space to rest in when there's so much chaos in the world. That is a, a better picture of prayer than, you know, trying to figure out exactly what to ask for to say. Wow. Wow. To me, that's that's revolutionary, what you just shared there. But it really resonates with my experience, even as a dad, when I had mm -hmm. little kids, right, and they were laying on my chest. I remember this distinctively. Like, I'm laying on the couch, them laying on my chest, and I realized in that moment I didn't require anything of them. Like I didn't, re there was nothing that, and I was completely pleased with them as they were like that. They, that right. made me happy that I, that they were laying on my chest and um, man, I just feel like I, that's a great reminder and it's so easy to drift from that when it comes to viewing prayer that way. Like, um, it's so easy to drift to, oh, man, I got to manipulate this so that God gives me what I want or whatever. So I'm going to be the mild contrarian here. I like that. That's and, good. That's and good so, that. like, I can imagine, like, even for me to think about the idea of laying on God's chest. Yeah. Um, I'm a grown man, you know, and laying <laughs> on, you know, another grown up that isn't my wife, you know, just it seems kind of weird. <laughs> So you know, do you have I, to physically lay on another grown up? Is that is that part of the process? Well, what? I mean, I mean, is God <laughs> could, different than another grown? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, anyway go anyway. ahead. Yeah, but I, I guess I guess something that you know I hear people talk about, and I think I even struggle is how do you explain prayers productivity? You know, we live in a time where there's a ton of hacks. You know, it, I need to use my time wisely. We're more mobile. Like, I think, speak to the fact of, like, you know, yeah, when you're a parent and you're holding, like, when I'm holding my daughter, it's it's awesome. But, like, it's not super productive. So how do you think Jesus or the writers of Scripture would talk about prayer being productive, so to speak? Yeah, you know, in some ways, that's a good question, Peter. In some ways, productivity is a modernistic concept. If you think about the ancient world, an agrarian society, yes, they want to have their farms, but they're not thinking a lot about 
more and more and bigger is better. Is mm-hmm. better. We do have in de- some industrialization in big cities and things like that in the ancient world. But um, instead of talking about productivity, I might talk about growth. Growth might be a better tool or diagnostic for prayer. Um, I honestly think it will be counterintuitive. Um, a book I'd recommend is by one of my friends here who used to live in Portland, recently moved. Uh, but his name is A.J. Swoboda. He wrote a book called Subversive Sabbath. And our lives lean so much towards what you're calling productivity, getting things done, being successful, achieving more and more, adding to our resume. Um, and AJ in that book talks a lot about the power of Sabbath to recenter us and reset us on what's really important, mm. um, what really matters. I remember when I first started teaching here at Portland Seminary, we have to do a certain number of things to fulfill our obligation as professor. One of them is we have to serve on certain committees. And I remember the provost saying to us, if you have young children, you can count that as one of your committees. Mm. And I think what she was recognizing is instead of spreading us out thin, recognize we got things in our life. and It's not just the best to pile on us. We want to be able to focus our priorities on what matters the most. And, and we all know family matters. And so uh, productivity, I would say that might need to be sidelined. Growth is a different question. Um, let me come at your question a little differently and you could tell me if I answered it. Another way to think of prayer, and I don't know if I'm way off with this, but this is the way I think about it is in a world full of sin, in a world full of secularism and disbelief, it is like when we walk out in the world, we're being radiated by all these things that are out there, just like we're actually technically radiated by the sun. Um, It's like we're, you know, these things are bombarding us. They're changing how we think. They're changing who we are. And that doesn't mean the world is bad. There's lots of goodness in the world. But there's also a lot of messages and signals coming our way that start to manipulate and change how we think. And part of what I see that time in prayer, you're talking about productivity, even the resting in God, meditating on scripture, let's say, I like to use my GRE word. The words I studied when I studied for the GRE, I like to use the word salubrious. Ooh, <laughs> that's a nice one. Salubrious means good for your health. Yeah. So when you spend time with the Spirit in prayer, even if you're not saying or doing anything, it has a counter effect on all these messages and signals that are being kind of thrown at us. L- let me just give an example, and this isn't just about prayer, but um, for years and years, we were told, bring tech into the classroom. Mm-hmm. Tech, 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 tech. Let people use iPads. Let's use PowerPoint. No Prezi. No Google Slides. Show videos. We were taught tech, tech, tech. Fast forward 10 years to 2019, and for the first time ever, I have instituted a period of silence in the class. Mm. I've taken tech out of the classroom for some period of the time. The students can't use tech. Why are we doing that? The world is changing the way we think by all this tech, right? And I'm trying to counteract some of that. I taught 18-year-olds. We'd start class with five minutes of silence. And I remember thinking to myself, this may be the only five minutes of silence they have in their entire day. Wow. Uh, And so prayer has some of that capacity to reset us to reform and reshape us. Not that everything in the world is bad. There's lots of good stuff, but 
I think it has a counter-radiating effect on our souls, our minds, our hearts, our bodies, just in the same way we need a Sabbath. Um, we need that time with God to restore our souls. Mm. So you kind of answered this before, but let's get, and probably this is good for all three of us to talk about, but today, you know, Nije, we're talking to you on the West Coast, we're on the East Coast. Tell us about how you engage prayer today or, you know, even this week, if that's a little bit easier. What does that look like? And then I'd be curious to hear about John too, but just, you know, tell us, because I'm sure some of our listeners, and again, I ask this question not because we want to be prescriptive, but just I think it'd be helpful for our listeners to say, like, I think we think of, you know, Graffiti from Lion King, like meditating, as opposed to just maybe there's a little bit more room there. So tell us about your experience sure. of prayer today. Sure, sure. Um, so, you know, my regular practices definitely are, you know, every every morning I take a shower and I pray the Lord's Prayer in the shower. I actually learned that from the Navigators, a collegiate ministry uh, that I was a part of. Um, and just, you know, making that time for confession, for prayer. I don't feel like I have to put a lot more into it than just praying the Lord's Prayer because I pray it thoughtfully. I pray it slow, but I don't, I feel like using the words of Jesus is probably pretty good. Um, I do a lot of um, just thoughtful, mindful prayer when I'm commuting. I do a lot of driving back and forth. I'm just kind of throwing up prayers here and there. Um, and then an important time of prayer is with my kids at night and my family. And it, it, it's probably helpful to have kids just to be forced to be a leader in prayer for them. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we do things like scripture memory. I feel like scripture memory is so powerful for uh, influencing who we are in prayer as well. Praying with them, praying for the world, praying for needs asking them uh, what they want to pray for, um, learning about how children pray and so forth. Um, sometimes I do the daily office, which is kind of a liturgy, and there's a book that has it. You can go online and find the daily office. I do love liturgy. I really just have an appreciation for the words of people that have come before us, some of these prayer warriors, um, thoughtful reading of Scripture, I don't, I don't treat it very legalistic for me. There was a time where I had to just get into good habits. Um, more and more, I'm just trying to take moments every day to recognize the presence of God and to be thankful and to thank God explicitly and to be a model for my kids. I, I feel like that's, that's kind of where I'm at today with prayer. John, what about you? Wow. Well, yeah. So I, I, I resonate with what you're saying a lot, NJ, and I, I, I appreciate kind of where you're coming from on that. The daily office is something I, I, I really enjoy. I haven't done that as much lately, but man, I've been really influenced by that. Um, now that my kids are back in school again, uh, which is, you know, a game changer, really, uh, <laughs> that, uh, they're they're in school in the mornings and so I'm up automatically and so uh, I'm up and they leave and now I now I have time on my couch kind of uninterrupted and so I, I generally will start the day there and I'll open up my Bible and and I just typically will just say to God something like hey if you want to show anything to me today just show it to me and I just ask him to kind of reveal whatever he wants to me. And then at the end of that time, sometimes it's, I don't know, 20 minutes, half hour. But at the end of that time, I'll, I'll just sit in silence for a little bit and 
kind of see if if God is impressing anything on my soul. Um, and like you, I, I I try to close each day off with my kids praying with them. Um, mm-hmm. Typically, I, I don't know. I don't want to present myself as some like prayer warrior though i mean you know i feel like man i could do a better job of that i could do a better those prayers could be much more articulate or something like that but i'm just i want to be an example that that like you can go to god with anything and you can talk to him about everything and and so that's my aim but pedro how about how about yourself how does this look for you um so i i do a written journal like that just helps me and so mm-hmm. probably the most consistent prayer that I pray is from Psalms, creating me a new heart. And then I even, um, not that we want to take anything out of context, but I'll even take some of the Beatitudes Jesus is teaching in Matthew 5 and just say, you know, give me a pure heart. It kind of tie those two things together. Um, sometimes I drop my phone too during that, you know, it's all good. <laughs> but uh you know, the other thing, you know, just we talked about praying for kids, and I know that our audience, you know, is all over the place. But, um, you know, I pray over my daughter Haley Aaron's prayer, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And um, <clears throat> it's a big reminder to me, but I think my biggest, there's two huge areas of growth. Number one, I don't spend enough time in just silence. And I can tell the moments that I don't because I am just constantly trying to produce. Mm. And I, you know, you mentioned, you know, what it says, pray without ceasing. You know, there, there's times when, you know, sometimes planning is actually praying. Like you, you get to a point where you're planning and you do your brain, but there's other times in my life that I realize, man, I'm just kind of winging it whereas opposed to stop. So I think those would be, you know, I can be really consistent, good in the morning, maybe at night, but then going from there. So, yeah. Well, th- this is a great combo. And maybe, I don't know, I think uh, for some people, this is kind of stoking and maybe even a fire to engage in this a little bit. I got I to gotta mm-hmm. believe that, that for some people, they're listening to this. They even clicked on this because they're thinking about this concept of praying. So mm-hmm. if you were to say to somebody, that says, I, I want to start praying, but I don't know where, what the first step is. What would you tell them? How would you tell them to start? Um, you know, you go all in right in the beginning. You, I mean, you know, you set aside an hour a day. What, what, like, what do you, what do you do to start? We, we live an hour away from the Abbey of Genesee where Henry sure. Nowen is. Take it, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, it depends on where they are at in their faith journey with Jesus. But I would say the first thing to do that's that I would do is I get to know the God that I'm praying to. Mm. Um, and, and especially through scripture. And a good place to start is, for example, reading the Psalms or uh, reading the Gospels and just kind of appreciating who this God is. Um, you know, some I remember students in the past have said, why does God need all this praise? Why does he need us to tell him he's so great? It's not that God has a big, big ego, but once we truly understand who God is, how great he is, how good he is, we're more likely to place ourselves fully in his care and trust him. So I think a good place to start is just reading scripture slowly and just stopping to soak it in and appreciate, wow, this God is good. He's done some really merciful, compassionate, amazing things. 
just taking time to appreciate that. Another piece of that is thankfulness. I think that's been the theme of my life in the past few years. The thing I want to pass on to my kids. Um, we gripe so much about what we don't have and the Bible continues to turn us towards thankfulness. And so I think an easy way to start reading scripture mindfully, thoughtfully, looking for places where you can praise God for what he's done and also just examining your own life and just saying, yeah, this isn't going that well, but I have so many bright lights in my life, so many positive things in my life and other people don't have it as good. And I know that. And I just, I just really want to be thankful to God for the things I have. I think that's a really good place to start. I also think, and I, and I hesitate to kind of throw this out there without cushioning it with scripture, but confession too. Mm. I don't want people to come to prayer with a hugely guilty heart because then they'll avoid prayer. Uh, but knowing that, first of all, God is a graciously forgiving God. But confession is so important to releasing us from those demons, mm. not literally demons, but releasing us from those things that are weighing us down. Um, I, I think we make prayer too complex. Um, I think just reading scripture thoughtfully and, and opening up a line of, of conversation with God and just expressing our heart to him is a really easy way to start. Mm. Wow. I love that. So practical. So practical. Um, Nije, we like to close each one of our podcasts kind of looking at the question, and you've done a great job of this already, so maybe just some final thoughts of yours about this. But mm -hmm. we like to close each podcast just going, what would Jesus say about this question? And we, you know, Peter and I take a stab at it generally. We're way worse at it than our guests are. But, uh, you know, I just figured we'd end this podcast that same way, going, if, if, if we were to just bring this question before Jesus and say, Jesus, why in the world should I pray? Um, what would Jesus say? Peter, you want to start us off with that? Like, oh wow, yeah, I, I'm I just, gonna start yeah, there. Yeah, I had the question, so you can, you can, <laughs> you can, you know. Uh, you know, I, it, I, I, I at some point need to read Nidhe's book on the Lord's Prayer, you know, because I think it just keeps coming back up. But, you know, I think about, you know, when we've mentioned this teaching before about Jesus when he talks about anxiety. Mm -hmm. And he says, have you looked at the lilies of the field? Have you looked at the birds of the air? And I just think that Jesus lived this simple but rich and engaging life mm. that we don't always experience. And, you know, part of prayer, no matter where you are, whether you're a skeptic and you think prayer is worthless, whether you've been to church and, you know, you want to engage prayer better, you know, I think one of the things that I'm taking away from Nije's, you know, talk with us and even just our conversation is this, is that if you believe who Jesus is, he wants to spend time with you. And if you start with that assumption, you know, I wonder what could change in your prayer life. So, John, take it away from there. Yeah, dude, that's that's really good. And I, I, I think of even what you were saying, Peter, about the productivity, you know, and how big of a deal that is in our society. And I think about Jesus in kind of his biggest moments of ministry i think it's in mark that it says but you know it talks about all these great things that jesus was doing but then it also throws this caveat on there and it says but he would often withdraw to lonely places to pray 
And, yeah. and I think about that line and I go, wow, you know, how often do I just withdraw to lonely places? And, and are there lonely places in my life that I can just go to to be with God apart from doing for mm -hmm. him? Uh, and I think whether whether you're following Jesus right now or not, I think that's a that's a, a fantastic practice to start is to look at the example of Jesus, as you were saying, DJ, in the beginning. It's like that's what he did. He withdrew from people for a while to spend time with God. And I got to think if we, if we followed Jesus' pattern, our lives would probably be that much more flourishing in that way. Well, Nijay, you get to you get to close us, uh, take us home. So, you know, just kind of summing up or maybe just bringing in Jesus, uh, how would you how, how might Jesus teach us how to pray or help us think about this in a different way? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, uh because it was taken for granted, it, it kind of is approaching directly in Scripture. But I would use the analogy maybe of Jesus saying something like, um, whether you recognize or not, you're praying to someone. Mm. Um, you're praying to yourself. You're praying to fate. Uh, you're praying to someone. And you may be praying to someone that's not listening. You may be praying to someone that doesn't want good for you. You may be praying to someone that doesn't know the answers to your questions, or you could be praying to the father in heaven who loves you, cares for you, has given everything for you. Um, and, and who has all the resources I think about there's woods by our house that we go walk in. My wife likes to point out how certain trees are, are struggling to grow towards the light, right? They're, they're bending and they're changing direction. And so, you know, we think of growing as growing, but we're always growing towards. The question is, what are we growing towards? And in prayer, we have the ability to grow towards conforming to the image of God versus towards something else. Prayer is an important part of that. Like I call it radiation, but that growing towards. I think of the line from Shawshank Redemption, get busy living or get busy dying. Mm. And prayer helps us to get busy living. Wow. Wow, that is awesome. Thanks so much, Nijay, for joining us today on the Why God Why podcast. It has been a privilege to have you here, and uh, we're pleasure. so thankful. And uh, maybe we'll have you back another time, if you're willing, to talk about some of the— I, I feel like there's like 15 things that you said that I'm like, oh my goodness, I want to follow up on that. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a podcast in and of itself, yeah. Well, that's great. Well, folks, we're so glad we had you part of the Why God Why podcast. If you have any questions about today's episode or you want to see previous episodes, you can see us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, but you can also start at the Why God Why podcast.com. Thank you so very much. Have a great day. Bye.